Welcome to church. Great to see you. My name's Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Welcome to those of you joining us online. It's indeed a great day to be together as God's people. If this is one of your first times joining us, we want to express a very special welcome to you and ask that uh, if you'd like to learn more about who we are, we would ask that you fill out one of those communication cards that you can find in the seat back in front of you. Uh, You can take that out and fill it out and meet us at the Welcome Center afterwards. We have a free gift for you for joining us. Those of you joining us online, you can go to our website at vlchurch.com, and there's a banner specifically designed for you that says, are you new here? Just click on that banner, complete the form, and we will connect with you sometime this week. But thanks for joining us. As you may have noticed, for those of you here in person, when you walked in today, we're having a big event outside in our courtyard area. We are having our volunteer fair today. Really excited about that. We have a lot of our teams that uh, serve here at Victory Life Church to make Victory Life Church what it is. And so if you are looking for a way to serve God, His church, and His kingdom in this world, we believe that that's a very important thing to do. We believe that God has given you a gift. He has a plan for you to serve his church and his kingdom in this world. And that's the reason we have things like a volunteer fair so that you can serve ways in which you can serve his kingdom. And so we have a lot of our teams out there. We have our children's ministry teams. We have our youth ministry team, our wall. Testing, testing. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. What did you do to it? Did you pray over it? Did you? Is it your spiritual touch? Okay. Can you can you like touch me on the shoulder next time before we begin service so that I have extra special words? Thank you, AJ. Thank you. Nonetheless, I did want to make mention about the volunteer fair. We also have a really amazing opportunity uh, that we are that we are doing this fall, in which case we're going to reach out to our entire community, and Laura Gibson is leading that ministry initiative. She's here in the fourth row. Raise your hand, Laura, so people can see who you are. Go see Laura afterwards. This is a God idea that was revealed to her, and we're super pumped about it. So go find her afterwards. We need an army of people to pull this off, and we're going to celebrate and memorialize Um, the lives of people that have passed here in our community the last few years who didn't have a funeral for a lot of different reasons, not the least of which because of the COVID pandemic. And so as a church, we just want to extend our loving arms and compassion to the world around us and uh, memorialize and and celebrate lives that have been lost. And Laura is leading that ministry initiative. So, So go find her. We need an army of people to pull off that effort. We're really excited about that. Also, when you come to the volunteer fair today, Um, we uh, have little handouts, and just write your name on that little handout. It's really quite small. And make sure that you have each table tell you about their ministry. They'll sign off on it. Then your name can be entered into a raffle to win some Cleveland Indians versus Houston Astros tickets in August. 
As you may know, the Astros were in the World Series last year. They lost to the Braves, but nonetheless, it'd be a good game to watch because I think they're still a pretty good team. So uh, your name will be entered into a raffle if you come today. So we hope that you'll join us after service today uh, in our courtyard area. One more announcement this morning. Um, You probably have seen uh, on our website or even out front, we have a big sign that features our vacation Bible school that's coming up. And we're saying be a part of the vacation because it's going to be awesome and amazing August 1st through the 4th. And it's going to happen 9.30 a.m. to noon um, every day. And the, the theme this year is monumental, celebrating God's greatness. Now, we know that God is great. He's huge. He is majestic. Um, This world is vast. It's complex. Uh, The the diversity of this world is absolutely remarkable and amazing. And so the kids are going to be learning learning all about these things, and they're going to be celebrating God's greatness, you know, His hugeness, His huge love, His huge grace, His huge power, His huge truth and all of the things that go along with it. And so if you know kiddos or if you have kiddos, get them signed up. They can sign up at vlchurch.com. Click on the banner that looks like the one that you see on the screen there, and we would love to have them at the first part of August, August 1st through the 4th. Really pumped about that. Well, that's all I have in the way of announcements this morning. If you have come to worship the Lord Jesus with your tithes and offerings, you'll likely know what to do. You can give uh, online at vlchurch.com backslash give, or you can give via text, or you can give as you exit the sanctuary this morning. But indeed, thank you for worshiping the Lord this morning with your tithes and offerings. Can I ask you to stand in preparation for worship this morning? And as we do so, let's pray together. Father God, we have come to worship you because you've made yourself known to us. That is why we are here. You have revealed your life-transforming love. And I love the way the Apostle Apostle John put it in 1 John. He said, this is how God showed his love. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And then he went on to say, "This this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is the very reason we stand in this place today, because you are the one that made a way. You moved the mountain so we could get to you and know your love. It is for this reason that we worship you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together today.
God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to save you and me. And now you have a place at his table. You've been called. You've been chosen. You've been accepted. You've been redeemed by God the Father through Jesus the Son. This morning we can hold on to that. And every day he walks by your side and he takes you through whatever you're going through, even when it feels like the walls are crashing in around you, we have a God who never leaves our side. He never fails us. He always stays the same. He never changes. He's a good and faithful God. So we worship him this morning because of that.
anybody here in this place today that has seen the Lord make a way where there was no way? Anybody here who has seen a miracle, you just know that if God hadn't have moved, things would not have changed. Is there anybody here that's that way? Is there anybody here in this place that has seen God provide miraculously? at just the right time in circumstances that you could have not imagined where he just showed up and did that. Is there anybody here? Yeah. Yeah, there is. 
So I'd like to do something different today, something that's going to scare you all to death. We're going to have some testimony time. But I don't want 15 people to rush the front and tell us all a story for an hour. If God's been and done that in you, I want you to tell somebody today. I've been impacted this week. How many times in the Old Testament God says, tell your sons, tell your daughters, tell your children what the Lord has done. Remind them, tell them. So I'd like for us to do that today. So I'm going to ask everybody in the house just to be seated. we got time. Just be seated in this place today for just a minute. And the band's going to continue to play so we're not standing in embarrassed silence. But I want you to think about a time that you've seen the Lord provide miraculously. Do a miracle. Prove his faithfulness to you. Bring about a circumstance that you can't even believe happened. And I, if you've got one of those, and if you look around, you look around, you do a little 360 here for a minute, look around you, and you've got a child or a set of children that you know, I don't want to scare them to death with some stranger getting in their face, but somebody that you know, I want you to go and tell them the story. One minute's all you got to go and tell somebody in this place what the Lord has done a miracle, a place of his faithfulness, a place where you saw him move miraculously. Tell it well, tell it age appropriate, not too many details. Don't be weird, all right? We hate weirdness. You're like, you're already being weird, Pastor Matt. Well, good, you need a little weirdness in your life, but good weirdness, all right? So I want you to look around. I want you to find a young disciple in this room before they go. And for those of you where God has moved miraculously, it might be your own children, it might be the children of a friend, it might be some kids you've interacted with, I want you to get up and move and tell somebody a story of God moving and his faithfulness. Can you do that? Nod your head if you can do that. Not everybody has to go, not everybody has to move. Some of you band members got to go. So, Amanda, you got to stay. You're the piano player. But some of you got to go. Yeah. Yeah, well, she's got a story. Amanda, you can stay or you can go because I'm not allowed to keep you here according to our elders. So, can you do it? Do you have a story of God's faithfulness? Find a child that you know and tell them right now. Get up and tell them. Go, go, get up and tell them. Get up and tell them the story right now. Go, go. This is crazy. I know, go, go do it. Tell them the story. Tell them. Tell them the story right now. Tell them the story of God's faithfulness. Tell them a story where God did a miracle. Tell them right now. Tell them the story. Right now.
Well, thank you today. Many of you have participated in one of the most ancient forms of worship on the planet, where the Lord our God said, tell them. Tell them what the Lord has done. Tell them that the Lord is real. Tell them that the Lord does miracles. Tell them that the Lord provides. Tell them that the Lord is incredible. Tell them he's got their future in their hands. And for you young disciples, the Lord's future is your future. He's got something for you. And one day you'll sit in a church when you're 30 and 40 and 50 years old and you'll be able to tell of the goodness of God in the moment he stepped in and did something on your behalf that you could not believe or imagine. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this short, special time today where we broke down the fourth wall, where we stopped looking and participated, Lord, in worship. Lord, I thank you for all the miracles, all the salvation, all the provision that was talked about in this place today. Lord, we're better for it. Because not only did we sing it, but we told the story of what you've done. God, I pray that your presence and your peace would continue to be in and among us today. And I thank you, God, that you have spoken through your people. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. And at this time, with a new story that you've been told, young disciples, you may be dismissed to head down the hall and get a message on your level. For those of you who that was the weirdest thing you've ever done in church, you're lucky. (laughs) I've been in services with far weirder. So... Yeah, I was so impressed this week and so much of my study by the times the Lord says, tell your sons and tell your daughters. In fact, um, where we're going to start today in Exodus chapter 13, if we were to continue to read on, uh, we would see that said over and over and over again. Tell them, remember what the Lord has done. So before I start my introduction this morning in this series on essential trust, I'm going to tell you four passages we're going to be in. And you could decide how you want to use uh, pieces of paper or little folds in your notes or uh, something in your Bible to make sure that you can follow along in all four of the passages. We're going to be in the first two verses of Exodus chapter 13. That's the first place we're going. But then we're going to go very quickly to Exodus chapter 23, verses 14 and following. So we're going to be in Exodus 13, 1 and 2, and then we're going to be in Exodus 23, 13 and fo- 14 and following. Um, We're going to then move backwards in the Bible to a story that illustrates this in practice in Genesis chapter 4, all right? So we're going to be in Exodus 13, we're going to be in Exodus 23, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 4, and then finally we're going to fast forward to the New Testament all the way to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20 and following. So we have four major passages today to take a look at. They are all tremendously related. For those of you who attend Victory Life regularly, you know usually we sit down in one passage, and the million-dollar word is we exposit that one passage, but in order to do this passage, these passages justice this morning, the concept justice, we're going to have to jump around just a little bit. So you got your assignments, Exodus 13, Exodus 23, we're going to be in Genesis 4, and then we're going to end in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I had a wonderful week this week. My wife Gina's family was in town for the first time since before COVID. Everybody got together. It was a good time. 
One of the neat things that happened this week is uh, one of her siblings who lives far off in the land of Minnesota came into town. And uh, they said, hey, uh, we want to come hang out with you guys one of these days. And we said, that sounds great, you know. So, so we said, why don't you come over for dinner? Why don't you come for dinner? And they said, yeah, we'd love to do that. And so Gina and I then had a conversation to have, right? We're having a dinner party. We're having people over. We want to show them esteem. And so we decided to take a little car ride, left the oldest with the kids for a while, and decided what we were going to do to roll out the red carpet for these relatives we hadn't spent a lot of time with in two and a half years. So we had a very, very candid discussion about what would be the nicest thing to serve and what would be the smartest thing to serve since we were both working that day and, and, and you know, what, what they had already eaten that week so, so that you know, we, didn't, we didn't go ahead and, and double up on anything and what we knew they were going to be eating later in the week so that they didn't have something at our house and then have it at somebody else's house the next night. So we were thoughtful and we were prepared because we wanted to show them how much we love and value them. I mean, we could have done it the other way which is just on a day that both of us were working, welcome them to our house and say, follow us to the refrigerator and see what's there. I mean, I don't know that they would have felt great about that as you know, we ducked in and opened the doors and said, all right, let's see here. Half a pound of Walnut Creek turkey, mm-hmm, that'll serve. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, we've got some Brussels sprouts in there from last night's dinner. Yeah, those will smell great when we open the Tupperware. Uh, let's go ahead. Oh, we got some wedding soup. We have some wedding soup left over. Who doesn't like hot soup on a hot summer night? And, and we could have gone to the refrigerator and, and just picked stuff out. and There would have been plenty to serve if we had wanted to. There would have been stuff there. We could, have, we could have finagled a meal out of it, but we didn't do that, of course. We talked about the menu, talked about what they had, had to talk about what they, that they were going to have. We wanted to do something special for them and went to the store and picked up all the stuff and we rolled out the red carpet. And they were thrilled. And they said multiple times, thank you, thank you. That was so nice. We had such a good time. And whether they did or not, we, they, were, they had to say that because we rolled out the red carpet. You know, because we wanted to show them value. We didn't go to the fridge and get leftovers. We rolled out the red carpet. We did what we thought was best because we wanted to value them. Well, there's a principle of essential trust, a principle of provision that has all to do with placing value on the Lord. Saying that that we value you and your presence and your spot in our life so strongly that, that you don't get leftovers. You get our best. And it's a concept that goes from the most ancient of times. It goes from the story of God's first called people, where he calls them out of Egypt, slavery in Egypt, and begins to develop what it means to be the people of Yahweh God, Jehovah God, I am then I am God, and say, this is how you worship me rightly. This is how you place value on our relationship. And I want to teach you principles of value that make sure that you value this relationship first and foremost. And the two concepts I want to look at today and and go all over the Bible is to talk about this principle of provision, this principle of essential trust called firstborn and firstfruits. Two concepts directly from the scripture as God begins to describe to his people how he ought to be worshipped to place proper value on their relationship. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into 13, we're going to read two verses, we're going to see the principle of the firstborn, and then we're going to jump to 23, and we're going to see the principle of the first fruits, and they are linked, and I'll describe how they're linked in just a minute, and we'll begin to see how we can place proper value on our relationship with the Lord. Are you in Exodus 13, 1 and 2? Here we go. 
The Lord said to Moses, remember every time you see capital L-O-R-D, that's the proper name of God. That's the name of our God, Yahweh God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am that I am. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and beast, is mine. That's the concept of the firstborn. Now let's jump to the concept of the firstfruits. Turn over five pages in your Bible to verse 23. Could be six, could be 12. Turn over to chapter 23, verse 14. God begins and continues to describe the worship of himself. Three times in the year you shall keep a feast to me. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread as I commanded you. You shall eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Aviv, for in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty-handed. You shall keep the feast of the harvest, of the first fruits of your labor, of what you sow in the field. You shall keep the feast of ingathering at the end of the year, and when you gather in from your fields the fruit of your labor. Three times a year shall all your males appear before the Lord God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened, or let the fat of my feast remain until morning. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk, because that would taste weird. That's not in your Bibles. That was my parenthetical note. Anyhow, that actually has significance, and, and we might get to that significance today. All of that fits together. Now, for some of you, that was absolute Greek to you, or Hebrew to you. Like, what is going on here, and what is that all about? Well, these were the most ancient practices of worship that God gave his people and said, this is how you worship me. This is how you honor me. Our relationship that I've called you into should be recognized in this fashion. And in chapter 13 of the book of Exodus, it begins to, it begins to be recognized at the very moment where the Hebrew children, the Israelites, escaped from slavery in Egypt. They have just made their escape from slavery. God has saved them. And because he has saved them, he stops right there and said, consecrate the first of everything to me. And then immediately in chapter 13, for the sake of time we didn't read it, he talks about the festival of unleavened bread, which of course is the link to Exodus 23 here. Because when the people left Egypt, they didn't have time for the yeast to rise so that they could have bread. They, they made flat cakes of bread because they had to leave Egypt in a hurry. And we are told in chapter 13 that they are to remember these two things, the, the, the consecration of the firstborn and the festival of unleavened bread every single time that they have opportunity because that is where the Lord saves them. That is a recognition that the Lord has wrought miracles on their behalf to bring about their salvation from slavery in Egypt. Now, why do I bring to your attention verse or chapter 13 and chapter 23? Very simple. They're the first mention of these things in the Scripture. But they are mentioned multiple times in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and throughout the Old Testament because primary to worship was giving back to the God who had saved you. Not secondary, not, not, not and, primary to their worship was giving back to the God who had saved them. 
We always want to remember the great salvation that God has wrought for us, and therefore, the firstborn of the womb and the firstfruits of our ground, and we'll see that in just a minute about the festival of unleavened bread, will remember that God saved us. And of course, we have something to do with that festival of unleavened bread too, did you know? Because it was at that festival that has come to be known, in part with the Passover, that Jesus bought salvation for us by his blood on the cross. That's the one he chose. The festival that marks the salvation of the Israelites from Egypt is where Jesus chose to purchase salvation for humanity. Pretty cool, huh? Well, this is why God says, I want what's first. Because if you give me what's first, you put a high value on the relationship and the salvation that I have purchased with you and for you. So the first of the womb belongs to God. Now that doesn't mean too much to us. I mean, please don't bring me any puppies that you have. We don't want that, right? This is a totally different society that we're living in today. I mean, I doubt that most of you have flocks or herds. And if you do, wonderful, but still don't bring those to the church, all right? It's a different time, it's a different, it's a different season. But in essence, what you would do when you lived in an agrarian society like this and you were raising flocks and herds, you would breed your best animals. The, the, the best male and the best female, you'd put them together. The strongest, the fittest, the, 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 the most hearty of those animals, you would breed together and you would get a lamb or you would get a baby cow or you would get a baby this or a baby that. And God says, when you first get that which secures your future, that animal which represents all other animals that you will breed for years to come, it's mine. Give it to me. Bring it to the temple and sacrifice it to me. Watch it go up in smoke. That will help you remember that God is your salvation because you're noting that God is your future. He's the one who's going to bring the second animal from that womb, and the third, and the fourth. And you might say in your human nature, well, he won't. Or what if he doesn't? What, what if, what if, the, what if, what if I, I, I don't have strong animals? What, what, if I, what, what, if, what if that was it for that womb? God says, you don't think that way. Bring me the first, and I'll take care of the rest. Same thing with the firstborn child. Right? Firstborn child of, of, of folks, they were to be brought to the Lord. Now you say, were they to be brought to the Lord and sacrificed? Absolutely not. The God of Israel, Yahweh God, he was against human sacrifice. In fact, he brings, he brings judgment on the Canaanites for sacrificing their children unto Molech. He's not going to have any of that. So how do, you, how do you do that? Well, what you do is you take your firstborn child and you bring them to the church and leave them with the pastor. And then the pastor goes crazy because all of the children of the church live there. No, that is not what they did. But in essence, they wanted to, Samuel's mother did, but that's a different story for a different time. They would bring their child and they would say, this child belongs to the Lord. But obviously this child can't stay here at the temple. So I'm going to pay a redemption price for that child. I'm going to give an offering back to the Lord and say, I'm buying my kid back from you. You rightly deserve the first and the best of my family but I'm going to go ahead and buy that child back. Do you know Jesus was bought back? Luke chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to perform this rite, 
to buy back their firstborn son from the God who gave them that firstborn son. To remember, God is my future, God is my salvation, but what you're doing practically is putting your very family under the mighty hand of God. I trust you with everything. I trust you with my future. Symbolically, because I value you, God, not only do I place my future in your hands, I place my family in your hands. That's what this firstborn was all about. Moving on to chapter 23, then we begin to see the concept of the first fruits. Three times a year, they were to come before the Lord and bring the first fruits of their harvest. Now, here in Ohio, our harvest comes about in different seasons, right? Strawberry season is over, but we're coming into what? What are some good seasons we're coming into? We got some squash coming in. Apple, yeah, ooh, yes. Geig's farm, I'm coming, right? We got different seasons coming. Late fall, we have different things that come in. But in Israel, in early spring, in came the barley. In summertime, in came the wheat. And in the fall, in came the fruit and the trees, the oil and the grapes. Three times a year at the Festival on Leavened Bread, you were to bring your first fruits to the Lord. At, at, at the Festival of the Harvest, which was the wheat harvest, you brought your first fruits to the Lord. And at the harvest of all of your fruits and all of your olives and all of the things that are, that are, that are you know, on a tree or a bush, in the fall, you bring that before the Lord and you present the first fruits to him. And what are you presenting to him? Hope for the future? No. You're worshiping him for the provision that he's already wrought. You're looking at your fields. You're looking at your trees. You're looking and saying, look, God provided the rain. God provided nutrients in the soil. God has taken care to make sure that that, that nothing came upon this crop to ruin it. And therefore, I bring the first fruits of it to the Lord because he's protected these crops in all of their growing. My future, my past, my family, all under the mighty hand of God. This is first fruits. This is firstborn. This is saying I'm giving God my first and my best. And I love the way that the Lord puts it. He says when the festival of the harvest and the festival of ingathering come, I want you to bring me the fruit of your labor. The fruit of your work. That which you have toiled for. That which you have sweat for. That which you have been concerned about, worried about, hopefully not been anxious about. That which you have placed your value and your future in. And and, and that is what you're bringing to me. You are looking back at, at the sweat of your brow and saying, that was provided by the Lord. It wasn't my work. It was him strikes at the very heart of the pride of humanity to say, God is my provider. God is the one who takes care of me. God is the one who deserves the first fruits. Not me, him. It'd be very easy to say, these belong to me. I have the calloused hands. I have the sweaty brow. I have the massive sunburn. It belongs to me. God says, no, it does not. You bring the fruit of your labor to me. The first fruits belong to me. In one of the angriest conversations I ever had with my dad, I had just graduated college. He made me so mad I could have spit nails. Thanks, Mr. Dewey. Saved by the bell reference. You're welcome, child of the 90s. Anyhow, I was so upset 
because I had just graduated college. I had just got my final exam posted, and I had worked hard. I'd done a five-year program in four. I had very little debt. I, was, I kept my scholarship. I had stressed. I had worried. I had spent entire Saturdays and Sundays sitting in a library, smelling musty books to get this degree. I had worked other jobs just to make it all happen. And so I called my dad where I need my affirmation. You know, young men, you know how that is. You want your dad to see the home run. You want your dad to see the great. And I, I called my dad and I said, Dad, I did it. Dad, I did it. I graduated college. And without missing a beat, my father said, give all the glory and praise to the Lord. I thought, I hate you. Why would you say that? I worked for this. I did this. Give all glory and praise to the Lord. You're crazy, Dad. I didn't even know what to say. I don't even know what I said. I, I'm sure I was dumbstruck. Like, he was on his way down to celebrate my graduation. I'm sitting there on a flip phone. Remember those? What? Give all glory and praise to the Lord. No. I want you to praise me, Dad. What a silly, foolish young man that I was. Because at 38, 16 years from that date, I look back and think, oh, the faithfulness of God. Oh, the strength and power of God. Oh, oh, the provision of God. Oh, the, the miraculous work of God to bring about that day. I couldn't see it because I was stupid. But at 38, I see it now. And one day when one of my kids graduates college, I'm going to say, I'm so proud of you, but give all glory and praise to the Lord. Right? It's not how you say it, not what you say, it's how you say it, right? No, my father was a wonderful man, and I was affirmed other ways. Don't worry about me. I don't have daddy wounds. First fruits of your labor each time. Worshiping him as the one who's taken care of you in the past will take care of you in the future. Putting your labor, your work, and your family under the mighty hand of God. Still looking for him for protection every day. There's an injunction here that we often don't think about. Present all your males before the Lord three times a year. I have a question for you. For anybody who's ever harvested a crop, when the crop is ready to harvest, what do you do? You harvest it. In Israel, what did you do? You took the first fruits and went to Jerusalem. And you trusted God to protect the harvest until you got back. Can you imagine that? That would be like cashing your paycheck and leaving it on the console of your car with the doors unlocked and saying, God protect it till I head to the bank again. God is my protector, speaks this. Bring those first fruits, and the Bible says bring the best. Bring the best. Because that, that's what God deserves. The one who holds your family, your future, your past, your labor, the one who's proved himself faithful, the one who has been your salvation, he deserves the best. Why? Because he needs it? Because it feeds his ego? No. Because just as Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You give God your first and best because you are saying, God, I value you above all else. 
I, I hate that moment when I'm in the car and one of my kids is fishing for, you know, me to tell them I love them or something like that. And I say something like, I love you more than anything in the world. And they're like, no, Dad, you love God first and then me. I'm like, ah, right, but that, it's, no, it's hyperbole, yes, yes, but no, sometimes, most of the time, yeah, but no, yeah, sort of. Isn't it, isn't it hard? We're human beings. Brothers, sisters, spouses, children, we're supposed to, we're supposed to love them first and, and best, but, 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 but what we're being retrained through the word of God is that, that he should be the primary object of our affection, and we should do things materially to show it. And it's one of the only times in Scripture, maybe I shouldn't say only times, I haven't studied this out well enough, it's certainly a time in Scripture that goes against human nature to say, I do something physical first, and then the spiritual takes place. Physically, I give materially to the Lord because that will set my heart in the right place to value him where he belongs. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Remembering all along that God is your provider, he is the protector, he is salvation, he is the God of your family, he is the God of your labor. Now when you think about it that way, you don't think about it in terms of what I'm bringing to the Lord, you think about it in terms of giving back to the one who's already given. He's already saved, already protected the past, he will protect the future. He is the God of your family, he is the God who is gonna, who is gonna give you strength. He is the God who's gonna take care of these things. He's the giver, you're not the giver. To bring your first fruits and your firstborn before the Lord is not to say I'm giving unto the Lord and I'm the giver. No, you're just responding to the God who has outgiven you and will outgive you for the rest of your life and into eternity. Because our giving in worship is really worshiping his nature as the giver. That's what it's all about. This is why it's primary to worship. We are worshiping him because he is the primary giver. He's put us in position to have a relationship with him whereby salvation and our future is taken care of. We worship him as the giver. That's why we put him first. That's what God expects of us because it puts our heart in the right place. Now, I know what you're asking. I think we've explained this far enough. Well, what about the first fruits today? Does that still, does that still matter, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's an important question. Is the first fruit still a thing? Because obviously, it was given under the law of Moses. And even a cursory glance of Scripture would say that, that the law is gone and the, the Spirit, the law of the Spirit, has, has replaced the law. So, so is this a concept that needs to come forward into the New Testament? To the New Testament church. Well, the time remaining this morning, I want to show you two quick things that I feel are important for us as we think about the first fruits and the firstborn as a concept of God's provision and putting our trust in him. And the first is in Genesis chapter 4. Just four verses we're going to look at in Genesis chapter 4. Here is a story, and this story predates the law. It happens before the law of Moses comes about. But the principle of the firstborn and the firstfruits is right here. Look at verse 3 of chapter 4 of the book of Genesis. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, 
but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. No regard. You say, I've read that story many times in my life. Are you telling me the firstborn and the first fruits is right there? Absolutely. It's in plain English because it was in plain Hebrew. Look at the words again of verse 3 and verse 4. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the ground. And Abel, verse 4, also brought of the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. So the firstborn is here. That's easy to see. What are the fat portions? Well, when you made a fellowship offering, that's an offering where you sit down for a meal with the Lord. It, it, it's figurative. It's, it's material. It's spiritual. You make an offering, and you take some of the meat from that offering of the firstborn of your flocks, and you eat it in the presence of the Lord, but you burn to the Lord the fat portions because those in the ancient world were considered the best portions because the fat portions had the highest caloric density. You give the fat unto the Lord. That's the best. So from verse 4 of Genesis chapter 4, we see that Abel brought his first and his best, but Cain brought an offering to the Lord predates the law. And look at what God says to Cain in verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? Verse 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? From before the time God ever gave the law to Moses, he was putting in a concept for the people of God that comes down even today. Cain brought what he thought was right, but Abel brought what he knew was right. Cain brought an offering. This is what I can give unto the Lord. I can bring him an offering because obviously mom and dad told me that he's God. I'm going to bring an offering to the Lord. I want to make sure that he knows that I know that he knows that I know him. If you followed that, you're brilliant. But Abel brings the first and Abel brings the best. And God accepts it from the earliest times. See, Cain brought what he thought he ought to bring. But Abel brought what he knew he ought to bring. The first fruits. The firstborn. It's right there for us to see. In the English, for all of us. He doesn't have regard for Cain's offering because Cain sees himself as the one apportioning God's provision. Abel simply sees God as the provider. One more verse to take you to today. We are nearly done. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. For all things have been fulfilled in Christ, and I just want to show you how this has been fulfilled in Christ. Chapter 15 of Corinthians, verse 20. But in fact, Paul writes... Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. 
Now, I know you know the Bible calls Christ the firstborn. We've studied this in Colossians. We've seen this. The one who is first among us. But Christ is our first fruits of salvation. What does this mean? This means that God gave us his first and best. Because we're worshiping his nature as the giver. He gave us his first and best. We're not doing God a favor. We, when we worship in giving, are reflecting the nature of our God. Follow the biblical pattern for just a minute. God's people needed to be saved, and he saved them miraculously. So he told them to give their first and best so that they would always remember his salvation. God then gave his first and best because his people needed saving. See, the first fruits finds its fulfillment in Christ. And when we give our first and best to the Lord, we're just worshiping his nature. We worship him with our first and our best because he gave us his first and his best. So, Pastor Matt, what is the rule of first fruits here at Victory Life? We're under the Spirit. There's no rule. I don't, I don't have some, a list of rules for you this morning to make sure that you follow first and best purposefully. You have the Holy Spirit to speak to you about how you may give God your first and best. Praise the Lord. Because the Spirit can do far more than a book of rules can. That's not Pastor Matt's quote. That's like the quote of the New Testament right there. Right? But does God get your first and best? Because he gave you his. Christ the first fruits for our salvation. I don't know what that looks like for you. I, I, I need to ask the Lord what that looks like for me. But I would ask this question of each one of us. When it comes to setting the table for God, is he an afterthought? Because we're not an afterthought to him. When it comes worshiping to worshiping God as the giver, do we give what we think we ought to give, or do we give in the spirit what we know we ought to give? Because I trust that many of us today are bringing an offering to the Lord. An offering. But are we giving him our first and our best? Are we placing him at highest value? Highest value. It shouldn't, shouldn't come as any surprise that the very first thing you did on the very first day of the week put high value on God today. You're here. Very first thing on the very first day of the week is to come into church to say, I value my relationship with God. How does that overflow? Into God as the God of our family, our future, our past, our provider, our labor. Putting him first in everything and worshiping him with all of our heart because where our treasure is, 
that's where you'll see our heart is also. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, there is so much depth to your word. So many concepts that have so much history, foreshadowing, forethought. So many things that you've done that we're supposed to look back into the Old Testament over and over again and say, I see Jesus there. Lord God, as you commanded the first fruits and the firstborn of your people, you were telling us that one day you would give us your first and best. So let us align our hearts with the Lord at every single opportunity. Perhaps you're here today and you would say, Pastor Matt, I don't know that I am valuing the Lord as my provider in the way that I should. That whole heaping pile of trust that the Israelites were commanded to bring, it's just so different than the small pockets of trust that I bring to the Lord today. If that's you today, let the Lord do a spiritual work in you. Say, God, what would it mean to bring you my first and best? What would it mean to truly recognize your gift giving? Just pray that prayer if the Lord's speaking to your heart. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would capture our hearts. That we would place high value on our relationship with you. And in the way that we give would be a reflection of how much we value you. Because the way that you gave is certainly a reflection of the way you value us. Help us to emulate your nature. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Would you stand today? This is the first day that second service starts at 11 a.m. So naturally we went over. What are you going to do? The good news is maybe you'll see somebody you haven't seen in a while. Stick around, go to the volunteer fair, grab a cup of coffee, get a treat, and say hey to those second service folks that you forgot went here. Because they're second service folks. It happens. But we're so glad that you were here in the house of the Lord this morning. Oh, by the way, don't boil a goat in its mother's milk. That was a pagan fertility, right? You take the milk and sprinkle it on your crops. He was saying, don't, don't worship me like the pagans do. It's not because it tastes weird. All right, that's all I got. God bless you. We'll see you.